Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Good day, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I'm the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Today, people listening, you're going to have fun because Janice and I are going to riff off of each other and she is a character. So please, Janice, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me, Martin. I'm excited to be here. Janice is the owner and founder of her consultancy firm. She'll put the title out and give all the details. And to be polite, she's been doing this for over 20 years. So, <laughs> Love that. Nicely framed. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Uh, Janice, like everybody else, uh, as all of my guests, I, you get to pick the title of the show. Sorry, I'm giggling because I know it's coming. Uh, <laughs> Da, 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 da. So Janice, what is the title of the show today? We're going to call this show, It's Your Pool, Don't Pee In It. <laughs> it's Your Pool, Don't Pee In It. So yeah. let's let's keep the suspense going a little bit. Janice, okay. tell, us, tell us about your story. Let's start with you first, who you are, what you've been doing, and then we'll kind of gently go into your consultancy practice. So please, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, absolutely. What's your story? So I am a ranch girl by nature, love country, love being outdoors, love four seasons, um, really practical. So, you know, everything I do personally or professionally, feet are very planted on the ground and let's mm -hmm. figure this shit out, right? And we'll make it happen. So um, I've been working in this field now for over 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I have a lot of fun it because I get to bring myself to the table. I get to bring the stories to the table. Um, I get to be in front of audiences because I work as a speaker. So, mm -hmm. you know, at conferences and those kinds of things. Um, as a coach, I get to really jump in and jump with somebody. So I get to be mm -hmm. along for part of the journey, which fills my soul, um, you know, and it makes such a big difference. So it's, you know, I'm a person that has always had an opinion about everything, whether or not it's an informed one is a whole different story. <laughs> You have but an I'll opinion. have an opinion about it. <laughs> <laughs> and most days I'm not afraid to share that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, uh, the editing team know. is going to have fun today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, 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 uh, Janice, don't be afraid if, if some foul language, uh, comes out, then I, there's a lot of things that is said on the show that is not uh, bleeped out. So please go Beautiful. ahead. Don't, don't be afraid. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about when did you start your consultancy practice? When did you go, oh, this is what I want to do. Like, did you have a well, job before or did you just jump in? My right background into? is actually in um, counseling, okay. um, body-centered psychotherapy, counseling, adult education, all those kinds of things. And I used to do a lot of work as a counselor in frontline trauma work. Oh. So uh, sexual assault, first responders, um, a lot of really intense kind of things. And I did that for a number of years, almost nine years. Mm -hmm. um, when... I was getting great results in my private practice and counseling with people to the point that then they said, well, hey, would you come and teach, this, teach these strategies to mm -hmm. our team? Or would you come and do this for it? And I'm like, you're going to pay me to talk? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I do this I all mean, day, every day. <laughs> right? Who 
so I started going into organizations and I started working in different frontline responder groups, different trauma-based therapies groups, and started teaching. And then through that evolution in 2004, I was literally up late one night. I'm searching through the net and I'm like, oh my God, there is an organization called CAPS, which is a Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. People do this for a living. <laughs> da, 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 da. I bought a ticket to Ottawa <laughs> in December. Don't ever do that again. Uh, but it, it's when CAPS actually had their annual conference because none of us as speakers are working in December. <laughs> mm. So for those freaking for, cold. <laughs> for our U.S., for the people in the U.S., Ottawa is our national national uh, capital yeah. and it is compared weather wise to Chicago. It is mm-hmm. cold, humid, Bitterly cold, and it's got, you know, a whole bunch of, of rivers meeting into it. Hence why Ottawa became there's a lot of fur trades. And so there's history behind where why, why Ottawa and Montreal are where they are. But if you compare it to, you know, uh, the U.S. nations, Chicago, I think, is the most. Uh, yeah. and, and then you put all of the D.C. kind of. Uh, all federal government bureaus and all that good stuff. So it's, it's, it's a cold and boring town. My wife is from Ottawa. <laughs> That's why she left. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. I, it, it, it's, uh, I, I'm excited to see, cause so, so I was in the military and mm-hmm. I went to Bosnia and back in 93, 94, the tours that I did, I came back with PTSD and back yep. then it was like suck it up buttercup yep. like we had to do some pretty awful stuff like digging graves for children that were mm-hmm. killed in in action and that that stayed with me the smell stayed with me for a long time I and it took me about, yeah i would wake up yeah. in the middle of the night just in sweat sweat for about 10 years and it took me a while to talk about some of the stuff that uh so no thank you very much for doing that because i think today's day and age and i don't think it's perfect but yet there is a lot of opportunities out there for people Mm -hmm. and you know uh, ptsd can be lived in in different areas what i don't like right now is it's it's a little bit abused uh where some of the people that have not necessarily lived they feel that it's trauma Right. Let, let, let's put a level of trauma between a paper cut and getting shot at. So yeah. there, well, there and there's a difference there. in trauma mm-hmm. and then PTSD, because we mm-hmm. can have a trauma experience, a response. Mm-hmm. The PTSD piece is it rewires us so that we no longer can, you know, and I'm going to be really simplistic mm-hmm. when I say this, so no disrespect to anybody that's been in service. It's, you know, you got bit as a dog or bit by a dog when you were a kid, and that creates a trauma for you. Every time you see a dog, you have a reaction, oh. but you can walk yourself through it. PTSD is you think about it and you will prevent yourself from going outside for the fear of having to walk into a dog. Like there's a whole different level of I can have a trauma experience and move through it. PTSD hijacks us. So I did not have PTSD then. And I was, I was in trauma. I was in trauma. Well, trauma is a part of the PTSD though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not not actually separate. Thank you for educating me on that. That is amazing. 
I Sorry. Was, yeah. I, so, yeah, the, but you stopped that a long time ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> but and I'm I sure did, you... but I mean, it's still part of mental health. And, and, and I mean, it really came into communication for me. Mm. It, it sort of morphed because once I got connected to CAPS and then I started realizing that I can do this as a, as a living, mm. right. I can make an income from it. Um, I got connected to the Vancouver, BC chapter. I drove from where I am, which is in the interior BC about four and a half hours away. And I would drive every month to go to their meetings and be around those people and colleagues and just soak it up. But where my first foray into speaking went was all around stress management. Mm. Stress management strategies, tools, um, talking about the trauma, helping mm -hmm. people understand it, disconnecting from it, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. Because every one of us that is a CEO, business owner, thought leader, we all have that level of stress as well. Oh, hell yeah. We all have anxiety. We all have uh, lack of confidence some days or imposter syndrome on, in certain situations. So all of that stress, I'm going to call it stress management because I am mm. dating myself now. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> there's so many new names and inventions of what this all is. It's still stress management, people, right? You know, call it whatever you want. But I'm not angry. Yes. I'm not angry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's about bringing all of those tools, but I needed to reformulate them from not in a counseling context into how do I do this to actually educate people's expectations? How do I give you tools yeah. that you can do it for yourself now or mm -hmm. be aware that you're getting triggered into something or that your stress is actually what's creating the shitstorm on your team? Mm. You know, I mean, the premise that I work with in my company, well, in everything I do is, you know, you are one of your people. So, you know, the statement that I'll say to clients is you, you know, your people will make or break your business mm -hmm. and you are one of your people. <laughs> Hail to that. Yeah. How many times do we go at Urgio into an organization and they say, hey, can you please help us op optimize? Okay, yeah. how much do you pay yourself? Well, what do you mean? Well, mm -hmm. do you pay yourself for fair market value for your salary? Now you could be full-time or part-time. That it, it doesn't matter. But you pay yeah. yourself fair market value. No, I give myself what's left over. Over. Well, yes. what happens if there's a risk associated with that, that if you die or get moved, we have to replace you. Then we have to find an extra $100,000 to fill in that yep. 156 that we're going to get for a president or CEO or, you know, low levels or entry level CEO to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, why should, why should I do that? Right. Treating themselves or what I like is, I don't want my supervisors to do this. So I work till midnight and then you create these behaviors that everybody mimic. You yeah. see that in mining for leaders, supervisors, they want to treat their people like gold as supervisors and they'll put themselves in danger in harm's way or do the at risk behavior. Then like, you're like, pardon my French. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? Well, and that's oh. a toxic culture because you're actually saying, hey, guys, we we really believe in this company that we believe in, you know, um, self-care. And we encourage everybody to take their breaks and take their lunch and go for walking meetings. And then we watch everybody that's in the management position. Nobody does that. Mm -hmm. um, OK, well, you said so, but I'm pretty sure if I get up and I'm the only one that leaves during lunch, mm -hmm. everybody's going to look at me like, what the hell is she doing? Mm hmm. You know, so are you really walking your talk? Are you showing up? And I hate the word authentically because it's so overused mm -hmm. right now. Um, but truly, it comes from a place. Are you in alignment with yourself, 
with your message and then within the culture, within the organization. We always say, do your actions meet your intentions? Absolutely. And I, I, so I was before COVID, I was a, a corporate jockey, right? I'd fly the world and come back on Friday. If I came back on Friday, I would, the first thing that I would do is go back to my office, Mm -hmm. close all my projects. So my intention was finish the work so that it can have my weekend with my family. Family, right. Right. The action or the perception was like, you've been away from the kids and I for an entire week. And the first thing that you do is you beeline it to your office to do more work. Exactly. So I'm being judged on my actions, not my intentions. So as a CEO, you can say, hey, we're, we're pushing the limits. We're working hard right now. You can communicate that, but that communication only goes so far. At a certain point, people will say, well, you're full of shit because what you're doing and what you're saying are two different things. And like yeah. you said, it becomes a toxic culture. Well, and that's where the communication piece comes into it because you know, even using the example for you and your family, if they understand that's what you're doing because this is what it's going to give us, Oh, okay. Now we've got a level of acceptance or you might have a discussion Mm. about whether that was really going to work for everyone or not, Mm -hmm. but we're letting go of the unspoken resentment, judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm pissed off at you, dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Energy, right? No sex for you this weekend because you came home and went straight into the office (laughs) and I'm not okay with that. You know? So that kind of thing. And it's like, well, hang on. I, I did it for, but if we haven't actually talked about it, so that's where the transparency and leadership for me comes both in our own personal relationships, because we lead ourselves mm-hmm. first and foremost, but also then when we're actually having those conversations, it's like, oh, hang on, you actually don't understand why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. That's where we start looking at the motivation that's driving things underneath the action versus just getting caught up in what the behaviors are doing on top and reacting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, so we, reaction, need to go, no. we need to drop underneath and go, ah. I need to understand why, what he, why is he motivated to come home and pop into this office right away? What's up? Uh, yeah. I, uh, let's go, <laughs> let's go into the title of the show. So I think people have been patient. They've listened to us. <laughs> for sure. Why did you pick? So please explain the title. Can you repeat the title for us? Absolutely. It's your pool. Don't pee in it. And why is that? Tell us about it. Cause it makes me laugh. <laughs> It, I love it. It's a brilliant title in my humble opinion. I agree. I, I really do. I got this great um, visual now. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of the backstory of how that title yeah. came to be, but it is such a brilliant fit for all of the work that I'm doing. Um, so years ago, I truly was a couch potato. Um, I'm highly driven. <laughs> I'm very, very action oriented. And so sitting on my couch, literally having no physical anything Mm -hmm. decided that i should do a mini triathlon and do a sprint triathlon (laughs) (laughs) the goal's got to be far enough out there that i'm willing to get my ass off the couch otherwise like someone says well why don't you just start with going for a walk well anybody could do that yeah (laughs) so the challenge wasn't there no problem was i'm not a good swimmer So drowning in part one would have definitely impeded part two and three of a triathlon, right? So swim, bike, run. Um, So I I took swimming lessons. I mean, I know how to float. I know how to play on the water on a lake. But, you know, swimming laps is a whole different Mm, ballgame. 
right? I have a car accident in 1994, separated my sh shoulder, uh, my arm. I, to this day, cannot rotate correctly. This is my full rotation. If you're in a pool with me, Martin, you and I will get to know each other because at some point I've now zigged into you. <laughs> All right. We're like a 19, yeah, yeah, 1945 uh, <laughs> torpedo. It doesn't really go straight. <laughs> <laughs> but my swimming instructor was, again, trying to motivate me um, mm -hmm. to swallow less water because I do swallow copious amounts of water when I was learning to swim. <laughs> and so here's how this came about. And so he actually, you know, he had called me over. He's telling me to rotate my head more. And, you know, you need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm still swallowing mm -hmm. copious amounts of water. So finally, the last time he calls me over to the side of the pool and he says, Janice, I need to let you know something. And I'm like, okay. And I'm, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for the wisdom that's going to make this different. He said, the class that was in here before you were a bunch of little kids. <laughs> See, now you and others in your audience are probably getting out a lot faster than I did. Because <laughs> I'm hanging onto the edge of the pool, looking at him going, uh-huh. And so he says it again. And he said, and every one of them pee in the pool. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Highly motivated to swallow less water. Let me tell you. <laughs> Watch me rotate more. <laughs> but the analogy stuck. Yeah. Because I'm like, when we're in a work environment or our personal lives doesn't matter, are we actually cleaning our pools out regularly? Are we taking responsibility for that? Who are we inviting to come in and swim with us? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is the quality of the water? And if you don't pay attention and clean your pool all the time and shock it occasionally, mm -hmm. right? do what you need to do to keep that um, everything in balance, you end up with a really slimy, yucky environment. Nobody wants to get in. So you mm -hmm. keep saying, come on in, come on in. Uh, no, thank you. Your pool's not clean. I'm not, I'm not okay over there. So it just became an analogy that I've adopted for pretty much everything in my life. Mm -hmm. And it holds me accountable, but I love it because it hijacks people when I'm working with them, right? It's your pool, don't pee in it. So how clean is your pool, Martin? So my pool pool would be chemically balanced mm -hmm. with a lot of pine needles at the bottom that I have a hard time sucking up. That's, that's my pool. Mm -hmm. My hot tub is chemically stronger mm -hmm. and yet always free of needles. The, the, let's, let's go with the pools, pools. The family would be, hmm, that's a good question now that I, hold on a second. So the family would be somewhat clean but mm -hmm. chemically imbalanced mm -hmm. due to i believe age gaps and assumptions so let me let me provide you some context mm -hmm. we have a tight-knit family Tracy, my spouse, who's a paralegal, decided to put her career aside when we decided to have children. Mm -hmm. She's like, I, I want to be a full-time mom. And that's, that's important to me. You make more money because back then it was still an, uh, an issue regards to salary equality, yeah. which I completely despise. Um, but, 
And that permitted us to travel the world because my job required me to be around the world. So we were able to transit and live on, live and work on six different continents, which was really fun. Incredible. What an experience for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a technique family. The one thing that I have found that when I say chemically imbalanced is that we don't clear or make the time to add chemicals. We've just started because the kids are a little bit older now being able to introduce family meetings Mm-hmm. where we talk yeah. about the future, engage them in the planning. And so that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we have to add a little bit of chlorine. Sometimes we have to add a little exactly. calcium to it. So we have to, we, we have to induce and inject ourselves as adults in, in the family setting to be able to balance things out. It's, it's not happening naturally when Gavin is nine years old, Ariel's 13 going on 56 um crazy cat lady and then we've got a very smart boy who just is can be so what's so spontaneous and and great like the stuff that he comes up is absolutely hilarious but he can be very spiteful and detrimental to his sister because he knows what to say when to say it to be very (laughs) hurtful (laughs) and so that's not that's why i use those terms um and then business-wise, I'm doing all the talking. Hey, hold on a second. You're turning my podcast against me. And then the company the company would be very chemically balanced because I don't have to inject anything because we got some A players. But the bottom of the pool is dirty because we've, we're, we're cleaning up. We're saying, okay, what do you do? How do I do it? We're sharing workloads. So I would say yep. very chemically balanced. Uh, it's just naturally the natural setting of taking the cover off with the trees and everything stuff falls in the bottom and we just have to clean it out continuously. So, yeah, that's, and that's that's exactly it. And the the key in all of that is none of those pools, your swimming pool, your hot tub, your family, your work, none of it happens and stays clean and healthy without you doing something continuously, consistently. (gasps) I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. Oh, that is so beautiful. You know, so as much as you've got family and and you've got this dynamic that happens and, you know, given the age, you're, I guess, you know, age appropriate, we step in as the adult, but that's the point. You Mm -hmm. need to be stepping in, whether it's your business or your home, you have to be cleaning it and or taking it and putting the pH strip in to go, Mm -hmm. okay, what do I need to do? Because what's Mm -hmm. really going on with this? Something's murky here and I'm not quite getting, okay, what do I need to do different? Right? That's the whole piece of it. And we need to do that for ourselves as leaders to lead ourselves personally, but it's something I do when I'm working within a team or with an organization as a whole, because that's a whole piece around relationship intelligence. How do I stand in relationship to myself means that I will then know how I stand in relationship to you. The more I can understand you, the better opportunity we have to keep our pool clean because we're both paying attention to that container now. It's not just any one person's job. So it's your pool. Don't pee in it. It's going to change the chemical balance. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I it, It's it's. It's simple to understand. Well, I mean, you have to, you have to understand pools. So if you've never had a pool, then maybe, <laughs> but still, um, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. So what is the, what's the number one cause of having a dirty pool 
in your experience? So with all the clients, because you've been at this for a while, and so you have a lot of data on yeah. this. What's the what's the what's the big turd in the pool? The biggest one. The, the number one that I can say, you know, across the board, regardless of size of company, team, organization. Size of pool, location, yeah. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Expectations, yeah. So assumptions that you mm-hmm. will perform a certain way and you do not. Or you, you yes. the perception that you were supposed to do A, B, C, and D, but you did E, F, G, and H. And the other side of it is you as my leader are supposed to be doing this and you're not. Oh, right. See, Both ways. I, I was a bad, I was a bad, I was a boss here. I was like telling you guys, I'm perfect. You guys are not. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but unmet expectations, uh-huh. we haven't got the, we don't know what the real vision is. It's so much fun when I walk into a company and I'll say, okay, so tell me what your vision is. And some people will be able to, you know, quote the mantra that's printed on the Other people will give me something, but the next question is the more important one is, so tell me how that is lived out daily. What are the actions to make that actually happen? Everybody listen, whoever's an Ergio client, listen to <laughs> what Janice is saying, because I've said we have, we implement a code of conduct all the time that is relative to the, uh, core values. Yeah. And then we have behaviors that are attached that demonstrate what, cause I mean, accountability exactly. or be a, a good team player. Those are great. What does it actually mean in our culture? Did you listen to what the expert said? Ha <laughs> <laughs> How do you live it? Code of conduct. Janice, thank you very much. Yeah. You, get two you know, cookies. and yeah. And it, it, I love cookies. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all part of that relationship and the connection because ultimately when we're looking at unmet expectations it's that that's going to create the lack of confidence in that okay I'm not getting rewarded I'm not doing it right like I don't know where I'm going but it's also the same unmet expectations that creates the conflict within the actual team right or the miscommunications that are happening because we're, we're working with something great and we don't actually know what it looks like and how we're supposed to be living it. And if we're not living it, how are we holding ourselves accountable and talking about it so we can change that? It's, it, it, so we have a tool for, um, for clarity that mm-hmm. I stole from my military days. So it, when anybody who's in the military, um, US, Canada, EU, they'll know when I say SMESC, which is Situation, Mission, Execution, logistics or support and, and logistics and command and control or communication. So yeah. that's, that's mission planning. So you go through what's the, what's the situation? Bad guys are over there. What's your mission? Kill all the bad guys. How will you kill the bad guys? What do you mm-hmm. need to kill the bad guys? And who are you going to tell that you're killing the bad guys so that somebody can go through that? Sorry, yeah. bad guys, very detrimental to your well-being. We've dwindled it down to direction support and communication for our clients. So I was saying, that's how Brilliant. you're managing up. You say, okay, as a leader, you need to provide direction, yep. right? What What's my expectation? You need to provide support. So which is the tools and, and right. How are we going to make that and, happen for you? What do you need? Exactly. Yep. Open communication, which is feedback. Are you being su- successful or do you need guidance on getting to where you're at? Yep. Now, we're also telling uh, people who are leaders of leaders or, or, or ma- who are being managed and led, it, you need to get those three things from your boss. If you're not getting them, then you yeah, need to go manage after it. up. Go yeah, ask for it. Exactly. There's nothing wrong in asking. And think, yeah. I think what you're saying too. So the power of, sorry, the benefit of empowering an organization 
to not be afraid to ask for question, to ask questions for support. And, and at any that, level. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, um, you know, one of the, the perceptions or the, the things that starts to happen is as people are in their careers longer, as mm. we get older, and I'm going to make this as a very generalized statement, but there's a lot of folks that I work with that all of a sudden there's this belief system that, well, because I'm here, I am not allowed to ask stupid questions anymore. <laughs> Well, actually, because That's you're there, you actually probably need to be asking even more stupid questions so that you're still connecting to the generation that's coming in, you know, but there is a perception that, well, you know, I should have all my shit together and have this all figured out by now. Well, most of us don't. <laughs> I, I think that talks to your imposter, imposter syndrome that you were talking about before, right? Yeah. We had... Um, uh, Uta Prius, uh, uh, somebody that I interviewed from Will Creative, the title of the show was, I'm not a CEO, I just work really, really hard. So she <laughs> didn't want to give herself the title of CEO because she thinks she thought that, like you've mentioned, hey, I'm not worthy of the title, right? That I, I shouldn't be the CEO. Am I doing the right thing? And oh, I should know everything because I'm the boss. And I'm like, no, you should be the stupidest person in the room and surround yourself with the smartest Absolutely. people. There's nothing wrong with being stupid. Yeah. Uh, and I say that in the kindest of, of, of ways. Yeah, tongue firmly planted in cheek. Okay? <laughs> um, absolutely. But there's that whole piece about, because a lack of confidence is actually going to impede somebody's growth <gasps> and success. So say that, say that again. I think that you need to say it slowly because. I'll say it the, slowly and purposefully. Yes. Just for you, Martin. Thank you. All right. Um, a lack of confidence impedes your success, your growth and your success. How do you fix a lack of confidence? You work with me. First and foremost, you have to be willing to admit that you're actually unsure about it or you're doubting yourself or you feel that what the hell I'm not supposed to be like, you have to actually tap into that place where you're willing to be vulnerable that's enough a buzzword. to yeah. actually say it out loud to somebody. Now I say me and, and you know, realistically, yeah. but often within an organization, people actually need that outside person. So I don't care if it's your best friend, your mm. coach or whatever, you need the safe person that has no judgment around what that mm. means for them, right? There's no buy-in, there's no attachment. So it gives you that neutrality to be able to say, I'm really scared. I think I might fuck this up. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. They think I know what I'm doing. I'm talking a good game, but underneath my, you know, I'm not, my, my little duck feet are just going on the one calm on the surface, uh -huh. right? That's where we get into the imposter syndrome because we can't carry that energy and that armory up, if mm -hmm. you will, to show up, pretend we're something and we're exhausting ourselves inside trying to mitigate what's really going on. Yeah. So we do need to go get outside help, you know, no different than having when you've got PTSD or the trauma stuff. It's, we need to go get outside help. If we could have done this and figured this all out by ourselves, we would have done that already. We're such, and I think the, you know? the, the, one of the fundamental uh, biological situations that people tend to forget and they, they're too cerebral about it is that we are social creatures of nature. And Huge. so, and we've learned through storytelling. And two things that are of biological and I'd, I'd even say across species is the, the power of curiosity. So to be curious, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and also to leave a legacy to teach. So that's why two things that I think coaching and mentorship and both the ability to learn the creativity. When you look at a child, they, they're so curious. They do everything, right? Yeah. Say curiosity killed the cat, right? We just adopted a, 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 a kitten. And that thing is sniffing everything. They're discovering, yeah. they're playing around there. And I think that as we grow up, we feel to say, well, that's what kids do. Kids are curious. And mm -hmm. for us at Urjo, that's our number one brand promise, core value, center of emission is ignite curiosity, you know, revamp yeah. that curiosity about yourself, about your business, about the people that surround you. I think that is because Brene Brown does a good thing mm -hmm. about courage and vulnerability that work together. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not curious at, at how to improve yourself, or like you said, you have two people put the shield up. And they go, well, I'll tough it out, I'll tough out the storm, and then I'll put that up. And then all of a sudden, people say, well, what a dickhead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, that guy's an Well, asshole. and you're not having any engagement that's actually dealing with what's sitting underneath it. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and, and I use this with clients all the time. So my favorite C word <gasps> is community. Oh, oof. <laughs> I have the other few. I like the other one too, but we'll keep it clean for this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, part. don't say that one. No, right? don't say that one. No, don't say that one. <laughs> um, but I do. I love, I love community because it we need I, I and this is a philosophy that I bring to the table for myself is I like it when it happens for me we need to be seen we need to be heard and we need to know that we matter we need to be Correct. valued and so it's in relationship that we actually are in that witnessing process right and I throw the ball to you you give me some feedback some information I get to take that in oh yeah okay so that's how I grow and stretch mm -hmm. but if I'm thinking I'm all that in a bag of chips and I don't need you and I don't need anybody and thank you very much I'm an asshole <laughs> right? that's true because everybody just looks at me and says yeah arrogant arrogant yeah. you're done you know I don't care if you're female or male you're still an asshole <laughs> mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your gender is there's there's one on everybody <laughs> yeah, right? Literally. Exactly. There's one you, you know? don't, uh, you can be binary, you can be he, you can be a she. Doesn't matter. Still There's an one. asshole on. Yeah. You know, and what we want though is we don't want our asshole part to be driving our bus. Correct. Right? I mean, for me, if my drama queen and my, my teenager, they get together and they're driving the bus, it's going to be a really good time and probably really embarrassing now that we have cell phones to take pictures. <laughs> Don't let those two play together. It's oh. not good. It's not good. You know, but we want that alignment, but we need. So when you talk about curiosity and igniting curiosity, I mean, I have my own way of how I would do that. But my question to you would be, how do you do that for your team? Like, how do you, how do you create the environment where they get to ignite curiosity? Uh, so we have a methodology where there's a, there's a couple of ways we encouraged by having a leadership or a servant leadership model, meaning mm -hmm. that yeah. we always start with questions. The best way to is not to tell, but to ask. Absolutely. So even if sometimes, and, and I'm one of the areas when we do in-field coaching, when we help staff connect with their staff in the field, we always say, so start with questions. So, um, you know, how, how are you doing today? So how can I help? And you, you leave this, one of the tactics that I use is silence is, is killer. Mm -hmm. So Janice, so I, I role play with me a little bit and you go, sure. Hey, Janice, um, what can I help you with? And then Janice stays quiet, says nothing, boss. I'm good. Yeah. 
seriously, I, I'm, yeah, no, I'm really good. But thanks. I really appreciate you asking. Okay. So let me ask again, what can I help with? No, um, I don't know. Think, things are going okay. Yeah. Marketing is going good. Oh yeah. They're rocking it. Okay. How about sales team? Well, there, there's a couple of guys that are struggling because they're a little bit competitive right now. So I don't know if they're really meeting the client's needs as much as meeting their own needs, but you know, I know they'll work their way through it. Okay. So let's talk about that. So you see how that, that exactly. that's the, that's the, so that was mm -hmm. a, thank you very much for jumping into this. So like you, she's a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I just have really to think of different clients and situations and like, I got that. <laughs> uh, so Janice can think on her feet. Uh, so yeah, so we we ask a lot of questions. So we yeah. always say lead with a servant mindset uh, and and come in thinking that you're wrong. So that that is our, you know, so even because most of the Urgil partners that we have, the project directors and even the project coordinators have all owned, failed, run. Yeah. So we have lived the entrepreneurial war. So when we are helping private equity firms with optimizing their portfolios or companies that we've been there, I've failed twice with companies and I know what not to do. We have to fail in order to be able to grow and know it, right? And exactly. it, it absolutely makes you relatable then to your clients because they know that you will walk the talk because you've actually had the experience and I'm or not somebody on your team has had it. And I'm not yeah. dissing the Deloitte's and I'm not dissing, mm -hmm. you know, the big consultancy firms. We don't run on MBAs. We run, we run on bruises and scars yeah. and, and empty wallets sometimes. So all of our project directors have got a lot of experience. And so when they come to the table asking questions to a client, how can I help? It is a truly, how can I help? Can I help? And they, they, yeah. they keep going in the questions until they find a key component that has a specific um, topic. And then we prioritize, right? We continuously yeah. reprioritize. So that's, that's how we do it. And that's how we encourage other companies, our clients to do so. Cool. One of the pieces because I'm on the same page as you with that. So one of the other pieces though that I'll get asked sometimes from leaders um, is they'll actually say to me, well, you know, yeah, I hear that you want me to be curious, but I'm not a curious person. I'm really process driven. I just give me the system. We'll follow the system. Mm -hmm. We'll use some metrics to know whether or not the system's working and we'll adjust it as we go. Um, you know, so what I'll say to them is how often do you listen to your intuition? <laughs> Now, some of them were like, my what? What's talking about? <laughs> That's not woo-woo stuff. I don't do woo-woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I really want, you know, and, and from a coaching context, because I do believe about, it's about people having their own aha moments. It's not mm. about me giving it to you. It's about you having it. So it's yours and you own it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's about, and I'll say this as intuition-driven action. Oh, I like that. I want to get everybody so in touch with, and I give them tools and strategies to do it, yeah. but I want them so in touch with their own intuition because intuition is never necessarily ABC. Mm -hmm. it's, I got a feeling. I'm thinking I might. Mm -hmm. What if I? So let's follow those little breadcrumbs <laughs> mm -hmm. and start building your intuition as an actual strategy, i.e. a muscle. Mm -hmm. then you know how to tap into more frequently for whether it's something really little or it's the really big, big, big stuff. 
because that's where your curiosity on a personal level starts coming from. So no, absolutely. Intuition-driven action. You know, but- and so, so if you break down what Janice said, intuition, curiosity, intuition driven. Okay. So now you've got an intuition. Now you're going to build a plan around your intuition. Say, I think that this is the way to go. Ultimately to do, right? So if you follow the behavior the human behavioral pattern of think, feel, do. So you've had an intuition, you're your feeling or your gut feeling, like you said, your intuition is the feeling of success or the feeling that what your thought is, is actually going to work. Yeah, and it's then going to meet you, your need somehow. Correct. And yeah. then you do a bit of planning behind it and then you act on it. And that is half the component that is required for continuous improvement, which is planning, doing, tracking, and adjusting. So yeah. then all you do is you go on your, as Janice mentioned, your intuition driven action or decision, sorry. Action. Action. Thank you. Yeah. And then what you do is you, okay, so how do I measure my actions? Actions are very measurable because they're behavioral based and they're systems that you can track and therefore go on to it. Behaviors yeah. can be tracked. A lot of people no, forget that. Exactly. And we can track behaviors. And in a tracking a behavior, if something isn't actually sitting in alignment for us or it's not working, that's where we get to be curious and go, okay, but why not? Mm. What, what has to be different? What am I noticing over there that looks really good that I'm attracted to? What am I not doing over here? Why is there pine needles in the bottom of my pool, but there's no pine needles in my hot tub? Because there's a cover over the hot tub. <laughs> I know the answer, yes. <laughs> right? But so, then, I, you know, so what are you protecting? Are you protecting the hot tub and not the pool? And then why? Uh, and and you might, your answer might be, it's like, hey, I don't care that there's pine needles yeah. in my pool. It just doesn't bother me. You know, so it's, it's an opportunity to just have that assessment for yourself. But more importantly, yeah. is that curiosity that comes in around how do I get better at this so I enjoy it more, that I'm more fulfilled, that I'm more satisfied, uh, that I really do love what I do versus just telling myself I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a difference, right? That's where we get into the burnout side of it is that we've told ourselves we love it enough, but really we hate it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's what we're supposed to do. So that's what I did. Um, you know, so it's about looking at it in that place so that you realize that you are always more important than what you do or your title. Absolutely. And right? I think that you as the individual is what's important. It, too many, too many times we, we are harsh on ourselves and we don't apply that. Do I see myself? Do I hear myself? Do I matter? And Correct. so a lot of people go into depression because they answer no, no, no to that question. And mm -hmm. then they get, you know, it's, it's a vortex as, as you know, I think that the, the critical point that you mentioned in that is that self-reflection. So when, when we moved to Japan, right, we moved to Japan and we're like, whoa, sushi every day. And then you go out there and you go, oh, no, sushi's not every day. And you can't get sushi everywhere. Now you can get rolls and, and vegetable yeah. rolls and stuff like that. But then, okay, so we had, you know, we had a whole bunch of different of Japanese food. And after six months, seven months, we, we looked at Pizza Hut and we're like, I think I want pizza. And then say, you go, this kind of novelty is little dollar now. <laughs> exactly. So you're kind of reflecting <clears throat> saying what you thought was grand and daddy and building your business. And you say, oh, this is fun. This is innovative. And this is, a, 
I, I don't get to swim in my pool anymore. I don't get to see my parents. I don't get to yeah. do this. I don't get to do that. So being reflective and creating a prosperous model <clears throat> for yourself, I think is the key to success as well. And, and like Janice mentioned, if you're, if you're, if you're curious about who you are and necessarily, you know, what makes you happy, mm-hmm. um, there's cycles, uh, you know, sometimes you, feel, sometimes you feel like pho, sometimes you feel like a steak, sometimes you feel vegetarian. So there, yeah. you, you have to be in tuned with what your needs are and your wants. Um, and I think and there's cycles many- in our businesses as well. There's cycles exactly. in our companies, you know, and, <laughs> and unless you're going to be taking some really good drugs, you're not going to be happy all the time. And there's going to be an absolute shit storm. You're going to wonder, and especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, you have absolutely questioned and rightly so, why the fuck am I doing this and not going and getting a real job? Somebody else multiple can times have a day. All of these. I'm just gonna, I will go be a Walmart greeter. You know, I'm gonna show up, I will direct people, and I used to use that all the time. And I have colleagues that would say to me, Yeah, and you'll be there for 20 minutes and reorganizing the shelves and telling them how to do it differently. But I will encourage and invite them to want to do it. And, and I, Hey, let's, let's not a job is a job, right? Uh, Walmart greeters are a key component to, and great. Cause I I'm with you. There's days where like, is there a job where I don't have risk and don't have to make decisions? Like I just, I love driving board because that's what keeps me in this game is because then I'm like, that doesn't have risk. But am I going to be bored? Yes, I am. Okay. never mind. Carry on. That's what, I'm still in it. Uh, but, that's what my wife tells me all the time. She's like, you are going to work 20 minutes before you die. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you have to stay busy. Even at the days off that I'm like, okay, so what are you doing? Well, I'm getting up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. It's your day off. What are you doing? Well, we're riding on our motorcycles and we're going fishing. Oh, okay. What are you doing tomorrow? Oh, well, yeah. Gavin and I, my boy, we're going to take him out and then we're going to go shoot the rifles. And oh, okay, good, good, good. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? No. Well, I thought Gavin and I and, and Ariel would woke up and then we go, we go this way. She's like, do you ever stop? And I was like, right? but when I do stop, it's like, boom, out. And I'll sleep like once every probably quarter. Yeah. I'll fall asleep at around eight o'clock and not wake up before 10, 10 30 the next day, at least once every 90 days. Yeah. Cause your adrenal glands need you to do that. Catch oh <laughs> my goodness. I'm actually just 23. I just look 15, uh, 50, sorry. <laughs> right? It's been a really good 23 years. <laughs> uh, you know, but there is, but you know, there's that personality, but it's to remember that, okay, yes, we're human doing, <laughs> but we're human beings doing, you know, and we need to put the being part back in there. And if you're totally jazzed and fulfilled and it's filling your cup up because you're out riding motorcycles and you hanging out with your son, like, then yeah, why not? Somebody else is going to get the cup completely filled up by sitting and reading a book. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's not going to be me, but I get that that's what works for you. You know, so it's it's about finding, you know, that harmony. And I, know, I appreciate people talk about work-life balance and it's an illusion that is a really good marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> You're going to yeah. mock three hair on fire when you need to take some time when you need to find your rhythm, whatever that is for you, and then build your life around it. We uh, I, I've ke- I've come up with a, a formula that and, and you know this is funny because what I'm going to say is what drove this podcast is because I was asked to write a book about something that I say that 
profit plus sustainability equals prosperity. Every mm -hmm. individual in this, every animal is seeking prosperity. Yes. And enough money to keep you sustained. So we work generally from Monday to Friday to take the weekend off. So you're, you're building profit so that you can be laxed on the days off. Mm -hmm. Now that model, when you're an entrepreneur, you own a few businesses can be not from Monday to Friday. It could be seven days a week, but you yeah. only work. Like when we go to Mexico or we go to Hawaii for longer periods of time, I compress my day from usually 4.30 in the morning to about 10.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of work done in the morning. Yeah. So that, so I, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm doing profit and sustainability. I work hard in the morning and then the rest of the afternoon is spent fishing, going by the pool, riding dirt bikes, you know, whatever, whatever, need to be doing and whatever we doing want to do as a family, go have tacos. Yeah. So that's the prosperity model you know, some people like working from Monday to Friday, so they get weekend off. The risk is lower. the The stress level is is the routine and structure gives them a sense of exactly. Security and, yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong in being an employee. There's nothing wrong in being an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong in being an entrepreneur that that goes bobs or an employee that bobs between each of them. Yep. You know. They, different strokes for different folks at different times of life mm -hmm. and be an entrepreneur. In my opinion, if you have not worked, you can't say one is better than the other. If you've not dove in either, either one of them, yeah. you know, I tell a lot of young entrepreneurs, well, how about you keep your idea, sink your teeth, go work for a corporation, see what you like, what you don't like yeah. in the business you know, start, start it on the corner, get your side hustle going, put some energy in. You're young, you've got time and, and yeah. you, you work hard. So start your hustle and then check it out. Cause you might be very, very, very disappointed. And well, the, other, the other piece that happens is that if you're starting your business right away, unless you have got the golden goose sitting in your backpack, where's your cash flow coming from? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How are you actually going to make this fly knowing that you don't actually know when it's going to crash and it's going to crash. It, it always does. Mm -hmm. You're going to need some sort of cash injection. So keep your day job until you know what that's going to actually require, how you yeah. make that work, right? Yeah. Whether you're going for angel investors or, you know, capital doesn't matter. There still needs to be cash flow somewhere. Right? Um, so. Eric Wu of Gainful, who was a guest on here. Just yeah, a, I watched a, that podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's such a, a grateful young man. And yes. when I mean young man, he's not, he's not 12. He's, he's a young entrepreneur, really grateful for his parents, what they did for him. And, yep. and he works every day really hard with that mentality. Right. And he's always got a smile. Every time you got Eric, sometimes Eric, he's busy and he's, he's not that smiley, but he'll always smile once in a while. But that's, you know, that's a great example of having, he, he had parents and support as Janice mentioned, some people don't. So yeah. as Janice said, where are you going to get your money? You have to put the resources up front before, before you can time, energy and resources like that's. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot, to, I think there's a lot of value in, um, you know, because again, we're both saying that we're not attached to the titles or, you know, MBAs mm. or whatever. If you got them, great. But it's 
having come through the school of uh, by bootstraps, hard knocks, mm-hmm. all the rest of it, and being willing to learn from others that have been there before me. Like if you can give me the shortcut so I don't have to do it, I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up, right? You know, so it's that opportunity though to be able to pass that now to somebody else and say, okay, here's my knowledge. Here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. I'm not saying it's all going to be right for you, but if I can give you some of the shortcuts and save you some of the griefs that I went through, you'll trust me, you're still going to create your own, but you don't have to do this on top of it. <laughs> so put I think the, it's brilliant, right? Put the chlorine at the end of the night mm-hmm. in the pool so mm-hmm. that, so yeah, put chlorine in, but put it at the end of the night. Make sure that when you do your testing, you do your testing first thing in the morning, make sure yeah. that water is up. When you put your water, you let the hose run a little bit so that you don't have all this junk in. The, so those are the little shortcuts that you're saying that comes from experience, right? Yeah. So uh, kind of full circle here on mm-hmm. it's your pool. Don't pee in it. Um, so Janice, what's the, what's the, uh, I ask pretty much everybody this question. Is there, what's the one piece of information, mm-hmm. documentation reference? It could be a book. It could be an individual. It can be a saying, um, you know, when it comes to me. So the examples I have, you know, uh, a book, but when I, think of somebody who's informed me is when I left the army, I was really sad because army's everything that I wanted to do. And I really didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. He said, there's three things that, that really matter. Uh, a warrant officer, he says, your physical and mental health, your family. So number one, physical and mental health. Number two is your family. Number three is every fucking thing else. Yep. So in that order, so I've applied that in everything that I've done so far. And, and that's excellence uh, in action. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, it really is. yeah. So, for, for you, what is your book, podcast, mm-hmm. saying person that has truly influenced you and you always go back to, um, mm-hmm. to, to refer back to? What's that? So, this is a book I was given when I was 12 years old. I had no idea what this book was going to mean to me. And it's something that until I actually really started um, my own, uh, you know, counseling practice and started Mm -hmm. going out and doing training programs and got caught in the, I have to be better. I have to be better. I have Mm -hmm. to be better. And I'd like, but I'm killing myself. Like I burnt myself out twice. I mean, there was one six month period. I biggest decision of the day, clean pajamas, dirty pajamas, dirty pajamas are already on. Okay. We're good. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and the book is actually called Hope for the Flowers. Oh, wow. I've never it's heard a about kid's that. book. Um, it is about two caterpillars called Yellow and Stripe. <laughs> keep and going, have, keep going. And they have caterpillar pillars. Okay. And the struggle and climbing on top of people and stepping over people to try to get to the top of the caterpillar pillars. But hang on, one of them thinks, but what if I go over there and do it differently? Ah, so now there's a whole transformation around if I go into a cocoon, I get by myself, I figure out how I make this work. And then later on, you know, comes back in as a butterfly to the top of the, you know, because stripe's still on the caterpillar pillar, trying to give information saying, but you don't have to do it this way. Just because everybody else is building all these caterpillar pillars, you don't have to either. It is the coolest book. Amazon, I think it's about five bucks now because it's that old. Um, author's name doesn't matter. Okay, Trina Paul Paulus, I think. 
but yellow book, white caterpillars, yellow and stripe. What's and the title again of the, the book? Hope for the flowers. That, you, you know what, Janice? Out of all the podcasts, everybody says, oh, the e-myth or this or that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is yeah. powerful. It can make me cry. Like it is so, it's such a simple, but such a powerful message. Yeah. And and as we can see in here. Thank you, Janice. <laughs> thank is. you. Yeah. Thank you. It's a cool very- book. <laughs> it is. Oh. I, it, mm-hmm. it sure seems that his it has impacted your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I will I will purchase it. I will purchase it. No, actually, it. you don't have to. I'll send you a copy. No. That would make me cheerful. I yeah, I thank yeah. you. But I think giving the money to the author, or I think if the money would go to the author, I think if I purchase Well, that. that's what I'm saying. Like I will oh. actually purchase and send you a copy. Well, thank you. Thank you yeah. very, very much. It it will happy to share. Every one of my coaching clients gets it. <laughs> like I oh, wow. like it is such a cool way to play. Right. So, and it, and it does, and it takes me right back to, it's my pool, don't pee in it. My title being it's your pool, don't pee in it because it's about us finding our own rhythm, our own pH balance. And what does that look like in our lives? So, yeah, I would love to share it with you. Full circle. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Janice, thank you for being on the show today. Just- oh, my pleasure. Delightful. I And this is your first, hopefully, this is your first of many podcasts for you. you. Yes. <laughs> you are a great guest. Thank you very much for being such a lively guest. It's very informative. We had fun. We riffed. I, when you're listening, give us some feedback. Did you learn something? Uh, mm-hmm. Was Janice advices? Uh, advices? Yeah. Advices. Advice. Plural, we can go with that. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> What stuck? Uh, what worked? What resonated? That's right. That's right. Let us know. Uh, Janice, where can you're on LinkedIn, I'm assuming? LinkedIn. Yep. Definitely. I'll, are you okay if people reach out to you? Absolutely. Happy okay. to answer questions, have conversations. It's all about making connections. Okay. We'll put your email in the comments and the information below. So terrific. Uh, did you have fun? I had a blast. Good. Thank you yes. very much. I'm yeah, happy that I- I'm your first. <laughs> And so am I. <laughs> uh, with that said, thank you very much, Janice, for being on the show. I appreciate it. I thank really, you. really have had fun. It's thank you. Great. My name is Martin Hunter. I'm the host of What CEOs Talk About. Please like, subscribe. Oh, man. Marketing team's going to kill me. They go, can you put some enthusiasm in there, Martin? <laughs> I just, I couldn't care less. Uh, <laughs> this is hey what guys, I love. Martin rocks. It's what CEOs talk about. So let me put out an invitation and a call to action. You need to connect with him in whatever way, shape, or form is going to work for you through his social media channels, his LinkedIn, his marketing team, his amazing um, support system. Make it, make the connection happen because this guy knows his shit. He's good. How much is that going to cost me? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Janice. Love it. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.